Well, good morning. Matthew chapter 28 this morning. So you'll notice behind me on the banners, uh, we have our church theme for the year. So church, what is our theme for the year? Church matters. Now, who noticed that the banners were a little bit different this morning? And so same theme, but they have been updated uh, for missions conference. Last week, you would have seen a church on them. Uh, This week, you've got the world on them. And I think it's important because uh, let's think this morning a little bit. Let's think critically this morning. Who is responsible for taking the gospel message to the world? Who's responsible to do that? The church is, right? So the church is responsible. Now, when the church takes the gospel message around the world and people get saved, those people who've gotten saved, what do they then form? They form a church. Now, so the church is responsible for sending the gospel around the world. And when people get saved, uh, they, they form a church there in all the different parts of the world. And then who is responsible for continuing to reach the communities all around the world with the gospel of Christ? It is the church. Church matters. Church matters. And, and since church matters, it matters how we church. The best trained, most well-funded, most enthusiastic organization or group in the world is going to flounder without a clear direction and without a clear cause. You think about what would happen if, if the military didn't have a, a clear direction or cause to their existence. Well, have they come today on a humanitarian project on an anti, or on an anti-terrorist mission? By the way, what cause they have uh, been sent on that mission ought to determine uh, how they go out, right? You're going to handle the humanitarian effort differently than you're going to handle eliminating terrorists. Uh, One, you're, well, anyways, you get the difference. We don't need to go into all that, do we? But the best trained, most well-funded organization in the world is going to flounder without clear direction or clear cause. And church, praise the Lord that before Jesus ascended back to heaven... Matthew 28, Jesus has risen from the grave. Amen? He he came to earth for you. He went to the cross for you. He went to the grave for you. But praise God, He rose from the grave for you. And the risen Savior, who defeated death, hell, and the grave, the risen Savior, before He ascended back into heaven, He gave the church some clear instructions And some clear directions. And you know, church, I really believe that it's important that you and I take time and remember what the church is really all about. That we take time and we align ourselves with the mission that Jesus has given us. And so tonight, or this morning, church, uh, it's a good time for us to do this. And even as we prepare for missions conference, it, it is a good time for you and I just to go back to basics. So let's look at this. Matthew 28, verse 16. The Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, Would you read the rest of the verse in unison with me? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So church this morning, we're going back to basics, remembering what Jesus has given us as a church to do. Let's start by remembering, number one, that there is a clear master of the church. 
the clear master of the church. Jesus Christ alone is the head of the church. Matthew 25 and verse 23, we see Paul write that Matthew, or I'm sorry, uh, not Matthew, Ephesians 5 and verse 23, for as the husband is the head of the wife, even Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Jesus alone is the head of the church. He is king of kings and lord of lords. Revelation 19 verse 16. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and lord of lords. He is the great shepherd. Hebrews 13 and verse number 20 tells us that, that Jesus Christ is the great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter chapter four, 5 and verse number 4 tells us that he is the chief Shepherd. We could go on, but church, it really ought to be clear that Jesus Christ alone is the supreme leader of the church. And Jesus here in Matthew 28, before he goes and ascends into heaven, he reminds us as his people that all power is given unto him. Now, the word power here, it doesn't just refer to ability. Now, Jesus does have all power, and he has all ability in that he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful, amen? There is nothing too hard for my God. That's not the extent of what that means. It doesn't just refer to his ability. When Jesus says, all power is given unto me, Jesus is making the statement that he has all ability and that he has all authority. That Jesus commands and controls with all authority. By the way, look at the extent. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus has all power. All authority. By the way, church, authority matters. I know we don't like that in today's day and age, but authority matters. Now, there are degrees of authority. There is delegated authority. You think of the authority of the government. There are degrees of authority. You think of authority in the home. Children obey your parents. You think of authority within the church that God raises up elders and pastors to be under shepherds, under the chief shepherd. There are degrees and delegations of authority, but there is one who has all authority. His name is Jesus. By the way, authority matters. Let me put it to you this way, give you an example. I was riding with somebody recently. They may or may not be in this room today. I was riding with somebody recently, and I don't often ride with people because I have control issues. So typically, if I'm riding with you, I'm driving you, and you are riding with me. But this was not the case, okay? I admit I have control issues. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. uh, Because anyways, we don't need to go into all that either. You get it. But uh, I was riding with somebody, and... uh, I made the statement as we were going down Route uh, 2, I made the statement, do you know how fast you're going? (laughs) You may want to watch that. The person was polite enough not to bite. I was a passenger. I was. The person was polite enough to say, yes, I know how fast I was going. It kind of ended there. Not 10 minutes later, there were blue lights in our rearview mirror. <laughs> the very kind state trooper walked up to the window and said, Excuse me, do you know how fast you were going? 
can I say the rest of my trip home was different after somebody with authority asked the question? You see, authority matters, doesn't it, church? Authority matters. Jesus Christ has all power. And this is something we've got to understand. Neither the pulpit nor the pew is in charge of the church. Jesus is. Neither the pulpit nor the pew can claim ownership over the church because Jesus already has. You look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15. But if I tarry long, Paul says, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. The church belongs to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, this is not Pastor Holmes' church in that I have ownership of this. No, this is, this is my church in that I belong to the membership just like you do, but I don't own this church. You don't own this church. Jesus owns this church. I'm going to tell you, we have got to understand that power and ownership and control, they don't lie in the pulpit, they don't lie in the pew, they lie in heaven with the risen Savior. Now, why is that important? That's important because when King Jesus speaks, it demands and deserves our complete attention and action. Jesus is worthy of our love, yes. Did you notice at the beginning of the passage that when he appeared, they worshipped him? He's worthy of our love, yes. But I'm going to tell you, he's worthy than way more of your love. He is worthy of your life. You know, he's worthy of your worship, yes, and you ought to come and give him your worship. But, but he is worthy of more than just your worship. He is worthy of your work. And when King Jesus speaks, boy, he has all power. He has all authority. And so when Jesus speaks, it behooves us to stop and to listen because he's in charge. And so Jesus here is setting the stage because he has some instructions to give. Jesus has something for us, the church of the living God, to do. And his word is not optional. You know, I've put it this way before. If we found in the scripture where Jesus told us that we needed to stand on our head and drink cherry Kool-Aid twice a week, do you know what we ought to do? If Jesus said it, we ought to do it. Amen. We, if Jesus says, stand on your head and drink cherry Kool-Aid, you ought to stand on your head and, and not drink grape Kool-Aid or, or Kool-Aid with the lime flavor or the lemon flavor. You ought to do exactly what Jesus says to do. When Jesus speaks, he deserves our complete attention and action. The church is something. Uh, this, the church is not something. That you and I get to structure in our own wisdom. The church is not something that you and I get to form after our own preferences. The Christian life and church life is not meant to be buffet style dollar menu when we go and just feel, uh, try to figure out what we prefer to get today. No, the church has a clear leader. His name is Jesus. And he has given us something to do. So let's look at it. We see the clear master of the church, the clear leader of the church. Let's look at verses 18 through 20. Liz, if we could jump back to 18, we'll go through 20. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Church, would you read verse 19 in unison with me? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we're going back to basics this morning. Church, we see Roman numeral what? We see the clear what? The clear master of the church. Roman numeral two this morning, we also see the clear mission of the church. You see, the master of the church has been clear in the mission of the church, giving us exactly what he wants us to do. And we see in verse 19 and verse number 20 that King Jesus, after announcing that he has all power, all authority, that King Jesus commissions his church to go and make disciples of all nations. By the way, this same command is recorded and repeated for us in several different passages of Scripture in several different contexts. In Mark 16, verse number 15, we see this, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, we see Jesus said this right before he ascended, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So if we put that in our modern vernacular, our modern kind of context where we're at, so our Jerusalem would maybe be Clyde or, or Bellevue, Fremont, wherever you live. Uh, Judea and Samaria, uh, that would maybe be Sandusky County or the surrounding counties. The uttermost part of the earth, I mean, that has to be Michigan, amen? Uh, the uttermost part of the earth. Um, it's, somebody's got to go, amen? But at any rate, no, we're obviously commanded in scripture to go everywhere to every man to every woman to every boy to every girl we're commanded to take the message of Jesus everywhere so let's look about this clear mission church did you see the mandate we're told to go we're told to go 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 when we're told to go we the church are being commanded to take the initiative to take the light and life of Jesus to a dark and dying world. It is our job to take it to them. It is our job to develop relationships with the people around us for the sake of the gospel. It is our job as a church to canvas and connect with people in our community who need to hear that Jesus saves. The mission that King Jesus has given his church is not a passive thing. It is a very pointed, active thing. We are told to go. So we have the mandate to go, but we also have the message Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach, it means to make disciples of. That that we need to take the good news of Jesus to this lost and dying world. Teach them about how Jesus died for them. Teach them uh, to receive Jesus in faith and teach them to follow Jesus with their life. 
The message is the good news of Jesus. Paul defines this for us pretty clearly in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You know, the greatest need... For all mankind is salvation. That is mankind's greatest need, bar none. That is the greatest need for every man, for every woman, for every boy, for every girl. That is the greatest need for anyone who has ever lived. That is the greatest need for anyone who is yet to live. That is mankind's greatest need. Is Jesus. You know, it's been said that if our greatest need were finances, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was education, God would have sent us a teacher. If our greatest need was health care, God would have sent us a doctor. I'll add in, if our greatest need was housing, God would have sent us a contractor. But our greatest need was salvation. And so God sent us a Savior. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 reminds us that God commended, He demonstrated, manifested, proved His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to know if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to put your faith and faith trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who He is and what He's done, that your greatest need it's not your finances, it's not your health, it's not your living situation, it's, it's not any of that. Your greatest need is salvation. Amen. And we said it at the outset that God loves you so much that He sent His Son. That He loves you so much that He died on the cross for you. That He loves you so much that He went to the grave for you. That He loves you so much that He rose again. But here's the thing. He loves you so much that He offers forgiveness and eternal life to whosoever will come in faith. You don't be good enough to earn it. You You don't get it by getting baptized or joining the church or doing good deeds or any of that. No. We receive it by faith. We receive it. And if you're here this morning and you don't know where you stand with God, I'm a, I want to encourage you. You better figure out where you stand with Him before you stand before Him. Amen. And the great truth is that this morning you can know that your soul is right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the message. Jesus saves You know, church, I'm glad that we engage our community. I'm glad that we help our community with with benevolence-type needs. We had a week. It wasn't this week. I think it was the week before. I think I had 10 calls throughout the week of people in our community who needed help with things, whether it was food or this or that or housing or uh, we had like ten calls that week. I mean, they were just they were just coming, and, and you know that's that's not necessarily an, an odd or a unregular thing. And church, I'm glad that we, we have a generous church. We have a church that helps. We we try to love.
love people and we try to meet needs and we try to do those things. And I'm glad that we have that. And, you know, church, I, I think there are ways and I'm excited maybe even next year to uh, talk about more how we can uh, do some pointed things to, to, to love our community. But it is loving our community, not for the sake of loving our community, but loving our community for the sake of the gospel. Because if all we do is put food in their belly or a roof over their head, but they die and go to hell because we never told them about Jesus, then we have failed. Then we have failed. The message, the message is that though you are a sinner, though you deserve hell, that God loves you so much that he died for your sins. And he offers you forgiveness and eternal life. And I'm going to tell you, church, that is the best way that we can help people by letting them know that Jesus saves. And so, church, we do intentionally develop relationships. We do intentionally canvas and connect with our community. We do uh, intentionally try to love people for the sake of the gospel. We do all of those things because salvation through Jesus alone is the difference between heaven and hell. We've seen the mandate. We've seen the message. But church, I don't think we can move from this point before we consider the magnitude. Verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach what? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now, we are commanded to go to all nations, to be a witness, according to Mark, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, or in Acts, in Jesus' words, Jerusalem, our immediate Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part. Our mission, Mark said, was to every creature. Now, we understand that, but there's a problem because I can only be in one place at a time. Right? Sometimes I think my kids expect more, uh, but uh, I can only be at one place at one time. Can I get an amen? amen. So how, how, how can, can a church in Clyde, Ohio be a part of taking the mission and the message to the uttermost parts of the earth? How can we be engaged in getting the gospel to every creature? That's our mission, isn't it? That's what we've been commanded by King Jesus to do. It's not optional. King Jesus has spoken. So how do we do that? Well, you know how we do it as a church, how the Lord has led us here at Harvest. We do it through our world mission program. Right now, I believe we support 48 or 49 missionaries around the world for the glory of God. We've got them in China. We've got them in Taiwan. We've got them in the Philippines. We've got them in India. We've got them in Ghana. We've got them in uh, Uganda. We've got them in uh, uh, Mexico. We've got them in, we got them in a lot of places. If you want to run the list, got boards right out there. If you want to run the list here in a couple of weeks, are we going to put the flags up this year? Sweet. We're going to have flags up for all the different countries that we, we support in. We, we have a part in taking the good news of Jesus all around the world. And you know what? I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says about that. 
I can't always go in person, but I can participate in the process. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He said, for even when I was in Thessalonica, he said, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. So, so Paul was out doing missionary work, and he writes to the church at Philippi, even when I was in these other cities, you sent money to help meet my needs so I can preach the gospel. And look at verse 17. He said, what? Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to whose account? Your account. You know what that means? That means as we are able to come alongside missionaries financially, that as they go into Mexico and Argentina and Brazil and and, and, uh, Uganda and uh, uh, China, Taiwan, India, Armenia, England, as they go around the world and they see people get saved and they see churches get started and they see churches begin to reach their community and produce other churches, do you know what that does? you know what that means? you know what that does? It's fruit that abounds, not just to the missionary's account, but it's fruit that abounds to... Our account. I can't always go in person. Some places I would love to go to in person. Some places, i got to be honest, I would probably not love to go to in person. I kind of stand out in places. I don't blend in real well. But though I can't always go in person, I can always participate in the process. And I can be involved in eternal fruit in countries around the world. How? Through world missions. How do we do that? We do that here through our missions program. We do that here through what uh, Charles was talking about earlier, through faith promise giving. You know, that's why we, we, we have uh, church tracks, radio tracks, gospel invitations, John and Romans. That's why we have missions updates. That's why we have missions conferences. That's why we have faith promise. That's why we ask everyone to prayerfully consider what you can do to help send missionaries around the world. Is it a sacrifice? Yes. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. But the words of Jesus that he has called us to take the gospel to every creature, it's not optional. And so, yes, church, we do ask that we be sacrificial. I can't always go, but I can give up something so that someone else can go. And this thing of teaching, making disciples of all nations, church, back to basics, it isn't a part of our mission. It is the principle of our mission. It is the priority of our ministry. This is the clear mission of the church. So we see the clear master of the church. We see the clear mission of the church. One more and we're done. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I had commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we saw first the clear what? The clear master. Come on, church. We saw first the clear master. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We saw, secondly, the clear mission. We're called to go and to make disciples of all nations, every creature. I want you to see finally this morning the clear motivation for the church. You see, Jesus doesn't just send us out and wish us the best. Good luck, everyone. Woo-hoo. 
have fun. No, that's not what Jesus does. He says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see, Jesus doesn't just send us out and wish us the best. Jesus promises to go with us as we take his message to the many who need to hear it. Think about it this way. Let's develop this a little bit. The presence of Jesus brings, his presence brings his participation. You know, sometimes as a father, I'll give my kids a chore to do, and I do not participate. I'll go and sit on the couch, or I'll go and I will sit on the deck, or I will go and I will do something else, and I will just expect them to do whatever mission I have given them to accomplish. But that's not the issue here. It's not Jesus has given us to do and he's unengaged. It's, it's not that he's doing something else entirely. No, his presence brings his participation. We are co-laborers with God in this work. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 9 says this, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And the beautiful thing, his presence brings his participation. His participation brings his power. See, if it was just me, I would be limited to doing this in my own strength. And let's be honest, that would be a big failure. Right? Can we get an amen? But I'm not doing it by myself. His participation brings his power. Ooh, let's go back up to the top. What did Jesus tell us before we ever got this thing started? Verse number 18, Jesus said what? All power is given unto me. I'm going to tell you, that ought to be an encouragement to us. Because he not only sends us with his presence, we are co-laborers with him. His participation brings his power. And he has already told us, all power is given unto me. And so he brings with him his authority. He brings with him his ability. Remember, he has just risen from the dead. Tell me what could stand in his way. The answer is nothing. So his presence brings his participation. His participation brings his power. His power will bring his product. In other words, God will accomplish what he sets out to do. So where does that leave us? Simply here, church, we must simply be faithful to the mission God has given us. And the master will do his work. We must be faithful to the mission God has given us. And the master will do his work. In 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 6, we see this. Paul said, I have planted and Apollos watered. But what is the church? Read it with me. But God gave the increase. In other words, we do our part. We're faithful to sow the seed. We're faithful to sow it in love and develop relationships and go and do all of those things. We're faithful to do our part. But who gives the increase? Who gives the increase? Who gives the increase? God does. John 15 and verse number 5. I, Jesus, said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So, what is our part? Our part is to be faithful. 
To be faithful to follow him, to be faithful to share him and to show him and to sow gospel seed. And we trust that God's presence, bringing God's participation, bringing God's power, yielding God's product will do the work. I'm going to tell you, church, we can have great confidence in the promises of God regarding the gospel message. Psalm 126 and verse number 6 says this, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That as you and I go and we take the gospel message to the world, that, that we can have confidence that we will indeed reap souls for the glory of God. The metaphor of the harvest runs throughout the scripture. Metaphor of the harvest, we are co-laborers. We sow, we water, God gives the increase. He is the vine, we are the branches. Jesus said the, har- the field is white unto harvest, it is ready. But I want you to think about the metaphor of the harvest. The fruit comes what? Not from the sower, but from the seed and the rain. And again, it's good for us to remember what is the seed. The seed is the scripture. It is the gospel message. First Peter 1 and verse number 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hear me, church. We're going to be faithful, amen? We're going to be faithful to the mission God has given. We're going to be faithful to the master that, that, that we have. We're going to be faithful, and we know that when we are faithful. This is our motivation. God will honor his word. God will honor his ways. We plant, we water, but we trust God to give the increase. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. Hear me, it's not about me and it's not about you, but God that giveth the increase. I'm going to tell you that provides clear motivation for you and I. Because when you and I choose in obedience to engage in the gospel mission with, not just for, but with our master. He is with us. And we cannot fail. And so church, it's as simple as that. Back to basics. We're here to know him, to love him, to point other people to him, to help other people come to know him by saving faith and teaching them to follow him with their lives. Jesus has said the fields are white unto harvest already. How many of you have noticed that people out there are looking for something real? People out there are looking for the truth. Our culture, I think, is getting very tired with this, my truth, your truth, there is no truth, can we know truth? Well, I'll be a tree today, and you can be a dog tomorrow, and, and, and what is real, and who the law this, and I, I, I think our culture is getting very tired of that. I think our world is recognizing that they are, they are scraping the bottle, bottom of the barrel, and they are coming up empty. There's just nothing there that can truly satisfy the heart of man. The fields, I believe, are white unto harvest. The world is looking for something real. And here's the good news. We have it. His name is Jesus. It really is that simple.
Church, we have the answer. As we come to a time of invitation this morning, a time for us to respond to God's word, I I want you to think of a couple of things with me. Don't pack up. Listen. I want you to remember this morning when the Lord found you. I want you to remember this morning what the Lord did for you. How he died to save you. I want you to spend some time this morning thanking God for the fact that though you deserve hell, you don't have to go there. That though you deserve to be in hell this very moment, you sit sit among believers as a child of God. Child of the King. I want you to remember this morning what God did for you. Where would you be but for the grace of God? Where would you be? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, get saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. Christians, I want us to resolve this morning as well that by the Lord's help that we as a church, we're going to do our part to get out into the fields of the world that are wide and to harvest, to sow the gospel seed and to trust God to give the increase. After you spend some time thanking God for your salvation, why don't we spend some time asking God for people we can reach? Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. Spend some time this morning even beginning to pray, God, what would you have me do in faith promise giving to send the gospel around the world? I'm going to tell you, it's time. It's important that we take time as a church and remember, remember what church is all about and align ourselves with the words of Jesus.